which we don't sing for various reasons, and kind of paying closer attention with a critical eye on the lyrics of our, our hymnody and our praise songs. We're going to wrap that up this week, and I'm going to focus on two different texts from Scripture. The first one is from Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. We read there, But Moses said to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I now come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they are going to ask me, What's this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And then from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, there we read, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation, because all things were created by him, both in the heavens and on the earth, the things that are visible and the things that are invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the one who is firstborn from among the dead, so that he might occupy the first place in everything. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him. And he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in the heavens. He brought peace through the blood of his cross. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we pray in this brief time of reflection on your word that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us. And I pray that this is just that, that this is your word for your people. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. So I, I wanted to start out this morning um, with something kind of light. I wanted to show you a scene from a movie that's a, a, a favorite in our house. It's a movie that's over 10 years old now that I remember seeing at the Lincoln Theater in Chicago when I was at North Park Seminary. Amy and I heard about this crazy independent movie that was silly and fun and funny. You had to go and check it out. It became a little bit of a phenomenon. It's a movie called Napoleon Dynamite. If you have not seen Napoleon Dynamite, do so. But be warned of this, it is silly. Some people find it dumb. I think it's amazing and awesome and very funny. Uh, and so there's one particular scene that I, I love love, 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 and wanted to show this morning as we get started talking about metaphor. Uh, Napoleon, is a, the lead character, is a high school student in Idaho, and he, in this particular scene, is doing uh, a hand dance with a club that he's a part of called the Happy Hands Club. 
And so I, I wanted to share this with you. If you'll hit that and let's watch Napoleon and company for a moment. Some say love, it is a river that drowns the tender Some say love, it is a razor that leaves your soul to some say love, it is a hunger, an endless aching need. I say love, it is a flower, and you can turn that time he sticks those hands in the air and he starts doing this I'm sorry it just I love I love that scene I love that movie as I said it's goofy it is fun it's also one that I could watch with my kids because it's clean and they think it's dumb but also funny so do yourself a favor and see Napoleon Dynamite I, I don't have any major point to make of Napoleon and his involvement in the Happy Hands Club instead I want to talk about the song that they do this hand dance to a song called The Rose made famous by Bette Midler. Taking a look back at the lyrics of this song, some say love it is a river that drowns the tender reed. Some say love it is a razor that leaves your soul to bleed. Some say love it is a hunger, an endless aching need. I say love it is a flower and you it's only seed thing that I want to draw your attention to is that the song is trying to explain an abstract concept like love and the only way that that's possible is through metaphor through figurative language now for those of you who need a real quick grammar refresher a metaphor is a figure of speech in which a word or phrase is applied to an object or action to which it is not literally applicable okay I want to try something with you I hope that some of you will indulge me in this. I want you, and I'm gonna give you one minute to do this. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to explain love. But I don't, you're not allowed to use any metaphors or any figurative language at all, none. Just give a direct, concrete explanation for love without using metaphor. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor and give that a try. Ready, set, go. See if you can do it.
right, bringing you back here. Raise your hand if you said, oh yeah, I totally got that. That was really easy, I've got it. Did you, Aim? What did you, what did you say? Treating others the way you want to be treated. Wow, that's actually pretty good. I thought it'd be harder than that. That's really great. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If I ask you to do, and I won't do this, but if I ask you to do the same thing, but instead of love, explain God. Explain God with no metaphors. Explain the idea of God. I think explaining God even with metaphors is tough. Even with figurative language if somebody asked me, explain God, I think I would only get so far before I went, oh, that, that, that's, that's all I got, right? All we have is figurative language to talk about God, and we, we use that because we're, we're constantly, we're fascinated by God, we, we want to draw near to God, we want to understand God, we want to understand the mystery of the divine. We want to make it as concrete as possible. And that's kind of what Moses is trying to do when he's asking God for God's name. Moses is trying to put concrete and explainable characteristics on this God that's talking to him from a burning bush in this moment by learning God's name. After all, the way you knew the characteristics of a God that time in human history is by way of that God's name. But you see, God can't be put in a box like that. Not this God. And so when asked that question, this God, through the burning bush, says, in, in, this, in Hebrew, it is, Ayah, Ayah. Tell them, Ayah sent you. In English, we translate that, I am who I am, or... And this is probably even a little more exact. I will be who I will be. In other words, God's message to Moses is, I can't be boxed in by your human comprehension. I can't give you a name that's going to satisfy what you are looking for. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. It is a mystery. And that's just it. That's all you get. So what do we do with that? Well, naturally, we turn to figurative language. We turn to metaphor. And we sang a bunch of metaphors this morning for God. And we have all kinds of them in our scriptures as well. In the Bible, God is described as having arms, eyes, even a face. God is also described as mother, father, an animal, inanimate objects like a rock or a fortress. God is a cloud, God is fire, God is water, that which our soul thirsts for. God is breath, God is wind, God is a shepherd with a flock, God is an eagle. But here's the thing, none of our metaphors and anal or our analogies are exact, nor are they perfect. In fact, one scholar I was reading this week says analogies are always flawed, because one thing is never exactly like some other thing. The danger of an analogy is not that it may be incorrect, but that people forget that it is an analogy. In some sense, I think that that was kind of the point of this entire sermon series, talking about what we sing and what we don't sing and how we change lyrics. What we sing is never going to perfectly explain 
or describe or reflect the divine mysteries, God, Jesus, salvation, etc. But nevertheless, it's important that we think deeply and clearly about the, what those songs convey so we don't make God into something that is, God is not. Something harmful or scary, nonsensical, or, or even worse, just a reflection of the worst of who we are as human beings. So it's important that we think about those things when we're singing. Another author I was reading this week says this, words, images, and doctrines can't totally define God. They can't. They merely try to explain God in ways for us to understand and relate on a human level. But in the end, language ultimately fails to capture the true essence of who or what God is. A few years ago, Michael Gunger wrote a song called Cannot Keep You, in which he sings these lyrics. They tried to keep you in a tent. They could not keep you in a temple or any of their idols to see and understand. We cannot keep you in a church. We cannot keep you in a Bible. It's just another idol to box you in. They could not keep you in their walls. We cannot keep you in ours either, for you are so much greater. The point that Gunger makes in this other author is that this eh, yeah, is beyond explanation and comprehension. And so the question I have is then what do we do with that? Can't explain God. Do we leave it at that? Can't explain him. Why try? No. Mm -mm. How do we start to wrap our brains around that, around that which can only, begin, can only begin to describe with figurative language? How do we do that? And this is the good news for those of us in the Christian tradition. We're blessed with a starting point. We're blessed with a starting point and a direction to head in. So when asked the question, how do we start to wrap our brains around this unknowable, this indescribable God? The answer we can point to is the classic Sunday school answer. That, that kids would raise their hand and just say, Jesus? And that's the right answer for those of us in the Christian tradition. We, we can look and see this, this model. In the Christ hymn we read this morning from Colossians, Paul tells us as much, especially in verse 19, because we read there, because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him, that him being Christ Jesus. So there is a starting point for us to look at. We who call ourselves disciples of Christ, lowercase d, not talking about one half of our denominational affiliation as a church, we can, we can and should look to the words and weigh the life and death and resurrection of Jesus as the starting point in understanding who God is and what God is all about. Because Jesus embodied the fullness of God. The person of Jesus made the abstract more concrete. This is why if I were asked to explain God, it's not too long for me because of my background and my tradition and my training and my understanding of God that I'm going to start to talk about Jesus. 
for me, a God that is not embodied is really hard to believe in. A God that is not embodied as, as our God is in Jesus, hard for me to believe in. A faith that is not embodied is hard for me to live out as well. It doesn't mean that, that this way is the only way to God. It doesn't mean that it's a perfect way, but it's the way that I know, and it's the way that many of us know. It's the way that many of us have, have been raised, or it's the way that we discovered later on we entered into this journey that we call faith. More importantly than knowing, I think, is it's the way that many of us have chosen to live. We who call ourselves the body of we individually and collectively seek to embody this divine mystery. It's why, it's why we also have the sacraments. There's a reminder of who Jesus is and the work of Jesus. We have the water that we can touch before we receive the bread and the cup to remind us that Jesus is the embodiment that the work of Christ is how we see and start to wrap our, our brains around what salvation looks like, what God looks like, what faith looks like. A Supreme Court justice famously said about a totally different subject other than God, I can't describe it, but I know what it is when I see it. Some of you may know what that it is. I think that's actually good news for us when it comes to God. Our metaphors, our analogies, our theologies, our, our song lyrics, none of those will ever perfectly describe God. But when we individually and collectively embody the mystery that is this universal Christ, when we live into the will and the way of God by following Jesus together, we can know God by seeing God at work and experiencing the love and presence of God. In other words, if you're looking for God, if you're looking to understand God, one of the best ways is to enter into faith communities and to see how that love is played out in community, how it's reflected in the way that we love one another, as Gail mentioned this morning to our kids. It's why we gather. It's why we struggle together. It's an imperfect journey together, but it is something we do together because we can see God in the way that we live and love and journey this walk of faith. I see that in you all. May it be so with all of us in this community. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we 